Kia ora. How's it going? Welcome to Aotearoa in Focus, called Dan Armstrong Toko Ingoa. So, episode one. Let's start with something really cool. Local government. Let's be honest, we all bag on them or barely even think of them, but they are pretty important. From the roads you drive on to the libraries and parks you enjoy, councils around the country are, well, often our most direct contact with government. If we're being honest, those who represent us are usually older, and there's nothing wrong with being older, it it happens to us all. But there is genuine value in elected officials coming from all backgrounds, so communities are genuinely reflected and represented. And that representation is happening more and more. From Mokotepania up north to Alex Crackett down south, young people are stepping up to represent their communities. Funnily enough, local body elections are just around the corner, and for anyone thinking about standing, I thought chatting with an absolute pro may help. So over a dodgy Zoom connection, I caught up with Palmerston North's Deputy Mayor, Alicia Rutherford, to learn about her journey in local government and the little tips and tricks she's learnt along the way. So, let's crack into it. This is Aotearoa in Focus, and this is Alicia Rutherford and local government. Um, so, I was working as a youth worker and national work in government. They were rolling out a whole heap of welfare reforms, and um, quite a few of them particularly had negative effects, in my view, on young people. Um, so... I guess that was what kind of flagged my interest in politics or or got my attention, I should say, not flagged my interest. It definitely got my attention because I was looking at who was making decisions and why they were making decisions and, you know, whether there was the ability to influence those decisions. Um, And I quickly realised that was central government and realised I did not want to be a part of that kind of machine. Um, And then just sort of, was interested in local decision making and and sort of looked a little bit more locally around what happens in our community and that kind of led me to the council um so that was what sort of yeah got my attention and then I guess I looked at what elected members did and felt that that was something I could do and um that I could contribute and then when I started testing the waters and sort of telling a few people I was thinking about running for council Somebody told me um, or suggested to me that I was too young and up until then it had really just been like an idea that I was sort of testing and then when I was told I was too young, that's what actually got me going and that's that's what um, made me stand um, because I felt that um, I would prove them wrong and that actually I wasn't too young. Um, so I was 22 just turned 23 at the time and so yeah started kind of um early stages of a campaign and then I got elected the day after I turned 24. And what did that first campaign look like? Were you using you know core flutes and pamphlets or was it just like a word of mouth campaign with a bit of social media? Yeah, it was um, It was actually heavily social media. It was mostly social media, but I did core floats, I did pamphlets, I did newspaper advertising, actually. I, I was with a few other people running for council. Um, one of them was my boss at the time, who was already on council. He was seeking re-election, so he kind of brought me into this group of people to 
partially reduce our costs so that we could, um, you know, you know, buy in bulk and those sorts of things to get better rates. So we he was buying banners across the newspaper and we would split it into three or four and, and put a few little ones across. And so, um, yeah, it's funny. I would never do newspaper advertising now. <laughs> but that was, that was very much part of my original campaign. And, yeah, and then just paid engagement online. Was newspaper advertising the only thing that you sort of threw out the window after that first campaign? Um, I remember when I first stood, it was, yeah, throwing everything at the wall um, and seeing what stuck. Luckily, I lost, so nothing stuck. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, newspaper advertising is the only thing I dropped. I continued to, um, I've had how many? Have I had one? Have I? I've had two re-election campaigns. Yes. Yeah, sixteen and nineteen. Just <laughs> like how long have I been here for? Too long. <laughs> um, so I've had two re-election campaigns, and I dropped newspaper advertising. I did not do that. I, I again, I focused on online social media engagement, um, and then did a, a flyer drop across the city and did some signs. Um, interesting because I think in my last re-election campaign I definitely was a lot less precious about my um, campaign material and so I actually used hoardings from the last election and then just got a few new ones printed so that I kind of had enough to put up a decent amount but um, my first re-election I just thought that was like I was horrified at the idea of reusing, you know, old material. But now I think I'm a bit more pragmatic and recognise that the, the campaign's really just an opportunity to remind people that you're here and you're, you are seeking um, re-election. Um, and so it doesn't matter if your sign is three years old or not. And you did get into council. You, you, you got to the table at PNCC. Uh, what was that first term like, you know, getting used to long agendas and the internal politics, LTP? What, how did it feel? For me, it was fine because I'm quite a process-driven person. So I actually really like um, seeing a process through and knowing what the process is. I just feel like it gives a lot more clarity. So you know what's going on, you know what to expect, those kind of things. And so I really enjoy the process side which people often find is the bureaucracy side um, I actually have a lot of comfort with that um, so it was definitely I mean you just local government is like a weird weird world right like it's just so foreign and it's just we've got our own systems and some of them date back you know 500 years and all sorts of things um, not actually, obviously, but you know what I mean. That, that, that's a quote that'll be in the Manawatu standard now. It'll be like the headline. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like there's just, and there, there is some stuff that we do just because we've always done it. So it was really hard to get my, and still is really hard to get my head around things that don't have a clear rationale as to why they happen the way they happen. Um and so that stuff can be quite frustrating. I am a speed reader and have been able to speed read since I was about, I, don't know, I was in primary school when I was speed reading. Um, and so I've always really loved to read and, and being really good at reading and um, obviously quickly. 
So, um, like I remember as a kid going and getting 20 books out of the library at a time and I'd be taking them back a week later. Um, so that, I was always an avid reader and that's been one of my greatest strengths on council because you're right, like there is just insane amounts of reading and, and you know, context and research that you need to do to make sure you're really well informed to be making decisions. Um, and so that's been a real strength to be able to be in a position where that hasn't, hasn't you know taken up too much time or set me back in any way it's probably more been about actually understanding the breadth of local government how long has it taken to you know complete that journey of understanding the breadth of local government are, are you still learning or you know sort oh of- i'm learning every day no i have not <laughs> not cracked it yet i don't know whether people ever do but i mean that's life isn't it we yeah. continually learn L- love the honesty I'm not going to pretend I know everything. Honestly, if somebody tells you they know everything, lying. They're the same type of people that would say you're too young to stand. <laughs> so you found the agendas and, and being able to do all the bureaucracy, all, the, all those little behind-the-scenes things um, go well. What were the parts that you found challenging, maybe ones you never even saw coming? Well, I guess, first of all, another thing I just realised was is that I had, um, we used to sit in alphabetical order when I first got elected. And so I sat next to this woman, Annette Nixon, who had been on council for a few terms. And she was just like an absolute delight to sit next to. I definitely had disagreed with her on multiple things. But she just, you know, she said to me when I remember my first meeting and she said, you need to make sure you know standing orders. That's, that's all you need to know in this chamber. And I mean... We've been given standing orders, but you don't really get told what priority you should, you know, give to the documents, what comes first and that kind of thing. And just little things like um, I would say to her, somebody would be presenting something and I'd ask her a question. And she was like, that is a good question. Everybody needs to hear that question. Ask the question. You know, like, even though she could tell me the answer, it was just little stuff like that. And she really like encouraged me to fully participate as soon as possible. So that was another another thing that really supported me in my first term. Um, one thing that I found really challenging was we actually had a by-election in my first term. And um, just the way the whole thing played out was quite a lot. Um, like I remember reading in the newspaper that our mayor was running for parliament before he had told us. And then he emailed us about 20 minutes later. And it was just stuff like that. Like it was just really, there were lots of things that kind of threw me because I was thinking you, you compare it, you know, because it's a job, you compare it to your, to workplaces you've been a part of. And so you that means you compare, you know, the level of communication or expectations around communication and expectations around engagement and stuff. And so it was, that was one thing that really took me by surprise was it wasn't, when I first got on, it wasn't like a, a team workplace kind of environment so it was a very different environment to work in. You highlighted the things that you found tricky and you know things that help like learning the standing orders and big shout out to Annette but beyond that um, what were the things that you were really proud of that you're able to push for I think there's the likes of what is it bikes and schools. Yeah so my two proudest accomplishments um, or pieces of work that I've been involved in is number one, Māori wards. Um, so our council originally voted to have Māori wards and um, 
and Don Brash came to town with his friends and organised a referendum, a petition and a referendum. And I led the campaign to try and encourage people to vote yes. Um, so we, ha we had a campaign called Kia Kotahi Mai, which is basically about unity and bringing people together. And um, it, was, it, was, it was awful. It was so rough. But it was so good in terms of like looking back and you know knowing I stood up for that and stuff that's that's honestly one of my proudest moments we've got Māori Awards now um and it's just like not a big deal like you know we were about to have our um with the election this year we'll have our first ward with two people um and we did appointments iwi appointments as well at the beginning of this term so we partnered with iwi in other ways but that would be my absolute number one thing that I've been um involved in and then my number two is bikes and schools for sure um and so yeah i'm really really quite proud of um what we've done with bikes and schools and we roll out a new school every year so we've done i want to say that we've done 12 schools now and um yeah we've got one a year for the next 10 years locked in i just want to go back to the multi awards thing for just a moment it got really hostile at the time didn't it it was when they're threats yeah, weekly, every single week, sometimes daily. Um, yeah, I was getting threats. I was getting nasty emails. Um, I was getting stuff sent to the house, to the council, emails, texts, social media, um, phone calls, like horrific messages. Uh, yeah, my, all my personal contact information was sent out through the Hobson's Pledge Network. And so I was just like bombarded. It was... Um, you know, it was, it was horrific. There were a lot of tears. Um, but looking back, I, yeah, I just, I mean, and even during actually, like it was really rough, but I just thought actually, you know, iwi, tangata, no, not, not even iwi, sorry, tangata whenua have been like, you know, calling out and asking, you know, for Tiriti to be honoured for years and years and years. And actually now it's time for other people to join them and, fight for this so I felt like I was I knew the bigger picture you know so it was yeah it was really awful um but also I mean I've got colleagues around the country who were spat at who had stuff thrown at them in public um who were accosted at the petrol station I mean I had people coming up to me and, and yelling stuff at me but I was never harmed physically I know people who were physically hurt um I know people who had death threats um yeah it was it was a rough time, but um, yeah, I just think we we are we're not there yet, you know. But we've we've made a start. We've got wards around many councils, and we'll see that come to fruition at the next election. Do you think the way you were treated um, in response to the wards um, was affected by the fact you're a young woman? No. No, I, I, I know people who, um, I mean, yeah, I, I, there, there genuinely could be some of that, but I know people, I'm thinking about some of the people who were um, also targeted um, specifically across the Manawatu, and I can think of at least a, one older woman, for example, so one middle-aged woman. Um, yeah, can't really think of any males that had this treatment. But anyway. After all that, I feel like we need a bit of a palate cleanser. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but this, feel, this feels like a deep dive. Were you once the 
mascot Captain Hurricane. Yes, yes, yes. I was. You were. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm obviously connected to the sports sector with that story. And whenever I'm in situations, look, I am I am happy to admit I am not the most sporty person out there. But if I'm in an environment where people are talking about sport, I will bring that story up just so so there's a bit of common ground. Rugby. Yeah, I was Captain Hurricane. It was on my bucket list and I think I mentioned it to someone. I was one of the co-founders of the Manawatu Young Professionals Network. And we had this guy that we brought on board to help with some of our branding and he worked for the rugby union and he was telling me about how, um, you know, like he does all this stuff and he was coordinating Turbo Man for something else. And I was like, oh, how do I be Turbo Man? And he was like, what are you talking about? And I said, oh, it's on my bucket list to be a mascot for like a sports game. And so can I be Turbo Man? And he was like, yeah, you can be Turbo Man. Let me find out like what we can organize for you. And I just thought I was going to go into a school or something. And then he called me that afternoon and he was like, do you want to be Captain Hurricane? And look, I know enough about rugby to know that the hurricanes are more important than the turbos. Um, and so I was like, yeah. And so there, that was basically how it happened. It was so, um, it was such an odd uh, situation it was horrific I tell you that costume stunk first of all but honestly it was just such a horrific experience everybody thought that I was like this I guess big strong man and look I'm strong but I am not as strong as a mob of small children and parents just have no control over their children were like running towards the mascot and thank goodness I had Liam there as my bodyguard because he was literally having to like and people would like kick me and hit me and push me they were so rough with me and I think part of it was because they genuinely thought like there was like this maybe a big strong rugby player underneath there of which I'm not um and so I did play um, touch rugby but I also did run the wrong way one game with the ball um anyway so I yeah I just got like a, accosted by children and um then like drunk people yelling at me and yeah it was I'll never do that again but I ticked it off the list and I was Captain Hurricane. I'm glad we had that palate cleanser. Um, <laughs> I've done a few random things. <laughs> yeah you became a parent and that's pretty cool on top of being in council how was that to, you know, negotiate the two? Um, it wasn't really a big deal because Liam and I had been fostering kids for about five years. So we had been parenting in a different capacity, of course. Um, and so I was already juggling council and um, different foster kids that were in our home. So... I mean, that was a little bit more on our terms, obviously, because we would say when we were available and not available and, and those sorts of things. And we were doing short-term and respite, so it was a bit different. But I'd, we'd already had like a little kind of taster of, of the juggle. Um, and then I guess, look, we're just kind of, I don't know, we're very relaxed people. Like, we just roll with it. So um, I took three months off and then I took Max in with me. He came with me for six months. Uh, or no he came with me until he was six months old so for another three months and we just said part-time then and then I went back in full-time and we had an OPS start with us so 
um, yeah, he would come in and I'd feed him or I'd feed him at the council. Sometimes he was with me, sometimes he wasn't. People just rolled with it. We had a new chief executive start. Actually, I was in labor with Max and we were, I was interviewing the chief executive. And then I finished the interviews and then I drove home and had a home birth. Um, so just all in a day's work, obviously. But I think the timing of that worked really well. So she started and then she just was like, what do you need to be able to, you know, um, make this work? And so had changed tables installed and a couple of toilets and just little things like that to make it easier. Um, and there was just like a real general flexibility among chairs that I might be ducking in and out of meetings if I needed to go change them or settle them or any of that kind of stuff. But it was just very, it wasn't from the council perspective, it was never really a big deal when he was a very relaxed and happy baby. From my personal side of things, it just meant I just had to be a lot more organised. So um, yeah, just planning ahead and, and making sure I kind of was really on top of, you know, schedules and stuff like that. I suppose not everyone has that same support around them. Mm. Um, and if you were to give advice to someone who's you know, in council now or looking to be in council and maybe looking to have a family too, um, would there be like a key thing that they need to factor in or um, prepare for as a, as a way to alleviate some of that stress? Um, I think, I mean, I I told the mayor I was pregnant reasonably early on and he just was like, yep, cool, we can make it work, like whatever. Um, and I think I think having a mayor who was pretty supportive and having a chief executive who logistically could help with support by way of like installing change tables and making sure there was a space if I wanted to go and, you know, feed and we've got a room at council where you can go breastfeed in and and but that's the space is available and so it's just stuff like that but um that so that definitely helped I mean the other thing is is that it needs to be viewed as not a big deal like it it's it's not that it's, it's just not a it's not a huge issue to provide flexibility um to support young parents in local government like I just I just see that as actually um we want young people to participate and so we should we should remove barriers we should do what we can to ensure um you know they can they can engage in the capacity they can engage with and yeah it's just it just needs to be seen as it's not a big deal it might just need to we might, might just need to be a bit more flexible or tweak a few things or whatever um, but I really think it's a mindset approach um, because, I mean, I was the first person to ever have a baby on council because typically in the past we haven't seen young people, but we haven't seen a lot of women. Um, and so that combination, you know, means that actually sometimes you're going to get babies. Um, and so, yeah, it's just being open-minded and, and relaxed. But um, I've spoken to lots of lots of either prospective or current elected members who are, um, you know, hapu or... Um, and thinking about that kind of thing and I'm happy to talk to anyone about kind of that stuff but um, ultimately it's I think the support of Chief Executive and Mayor means that it won't be an issue. Um, you know how a few years ago you and a heap of others were caught in the thick of it with the Māori wards um, and now 
you know, we look at it and it's like, oh yeah, just you just you just do it and it gets done. Are there any other parts of council that need that, I suppose, that societal shift? Are, are there any other little bits that are yet to be dragged into the 21st century? I, I'm not convinced that, I'm not entirely convinced that the community as a whole, like not Palmerston or specifically, mm. take local government seriously or see it as a job. Um, I think that there's still the view that this is like a voluntary thing that you do out, you know, after work and that it's a couple of hours a week and that's that. I don't think that there is appreciation, probably understanding and, you know, ultimately respect for actually the role that it is. Um, and so, yeah, I really do think that that's, that approach is really out of date because, you know, 50, 60 years ago, it was something that people did. They came to a, you know, a council meeting in the evening after work or and that kind of thing. But actually, it's it's not that now, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that that approach is probably a bit out of date. I think that uh, prospective politicians may have to consider is, uh, well, how much you get paid. I know elected members around New Zealand who um, might be on smaller councils but would do 15 to 20 hours a week and they get $9,000 a year. Like, it's just, yeah. I think the, the, the remuneration needs to be addressed. Um, there are so many issues. You know, we don't get KiwiSaver payments. We um, particularly... It is more of a burden on young people because we are sacrificing. You know, I've been here eight and a half years, and if I was to do another term and say I did had twelve years taken out of my kind of prime time where I could have been, you know, studying or or climbing the ladder or that kind of thing, but actually that set me back, and I'm I make con contributions myself. I don't get employee. Um, employer contributions, don't get any of that kind of stuff. There are so many little things that um, that are, are just not, you know, it's 2022 and we, we've, we've got things to address, particularly around, yeah, salary packages and stuff like that for elected members. Nine years ago, you stood for council and one of the reasons seems to be that there weren't people that looked like you at the council table. In, what, the 2016 to 19 term, there were about 40, 42 um, sort of people roughly under 40 in the sector. How do you perceive our young generation of politicians or, or candidates coming into 2022? Um, well, I mean, if we look back to the last election and take that as a guide, the future young people coming into or, or currently in politics are going to do far greater things than we can ever imagine they are an incredible group of young people um and yeah they i have a lot of confidence in who we have representing us across the country um we have a young elected members network across new zealand and there's some you know we've got a, an online group and um it's got a really good level of engagement and you just see, you know, you see people talking about how they're encouraging other people to stand, about how they're shoulder tapping, about how they're sharing, you know, resources, that kind of thing. It's not, it's not patch protection. It's not, you know, 
holding on, trying to protect your space, that kind of thing. It is a genuine desire to see good representation um, and see young people represented across New Zealand. And it is, yeah, it's so reassuring. So I, I have got every confidence in um, the elections coming up and in future elections just based based on what I've seen over the last couple of years. What about you? What comes next for Alicia Rutherford? Um, well, obviously, I've got um, my role as secure up until the, I don't even know when the election is, October, it's in October. Um, and so, yeah, I've just got to make a decision around whether I am standing again and um, we'll go from there. But, um, yeah, like many of my colleagues, I'm also encouraging other people to stand and have done that every election. We'll continue to do that um, and support people. Um, moving forward. If listener walks away with anything, what is it? <laughs> that is such a loaded question. Um, you know, I I don't know, have a budget. <laughs> have a budget? <laughs> nothing to do with local government. It's have a budget. Google where, um, go look on YouTube and watch a video on compound interest if you're not currently investing. I'd say that would be my best advice I could give anyone. A final wrap-up would be, you know what, if there's if there's anybody at all who's considering standing or has made the decision to stand, then um, then absolutely reach out to me. I will share everything I have got. I will share my campaign information. I will share my bio, my blurbs, my um, advertising, any of that kind of stuff, speeches, whatever they want. Um, I really want to support other people and I want to make sure that people have got good access to support um, because I was really lucky that I had access to people who knew how to campaign and not everyone does. So um, I will share everything. Um, but yeah, I just want to say thanks so much for um, having me on your um, podcast, Dan. This is for sure news you can use. Enjoy that. That was good. Eh? That was good. That's not the name of the show, but I love it. No, it's not the name of the show, but I kind of worked it in so that it was like both. Yeah, yeah. After everything, um, do you still consider yourself a young politician? <laughs> I feel really, really old. Um, but yes, I do. Especially when I look at people like, um, you know, Mayor Tim Shadbolt down in Invercargill. I think, yeah, I'm still young. Yeah. If you ever need to feel good about your age, just look at the rest of local government. <laughs> you said that, not me. <laughs> exactly. Thanks, Alicia, for your work in Palmy and advocacy in general. Plus, a uh, shout out to your husband, Liam, who helped me workshop the show and was eager for it to be called News You Can Use. Sorry, but I like my title more. I think Alicia left us with some good takeaways if you're an aspiring candidate. Don't be bothered by the people who think you're too young to stand. You may not need to do newspaper ads and you can reuse hoardings. Learn the standing orders. Don't be afraid to ask for help. You'll be surprised how many people will have your back. Learn compound interest, just in general I guess. And as shown by Alicia, fight for what you care about. Every political journey is different. But as she mentioned, Alicia is ready and willing to support other young people interested in standing this year. And she's on Insta, at Alicia Rutherford, I'll, I'll pop that in the bio. And there are a heap of other young politicians across the country from Taranaki to Linwood, 
and I bet they'll be pretty open and helpful if you've got some questions. That wraps up episode one. The next episode will be out as soon as I make it. In case you didn't know, I had an accident in April, so pretty pretty limited in what I can do right now. Uh, so instead of wondering when the next show will appear, you can hit subscribe or follow, whatever it's called, on the, on the app you're listening on, and episode two will be delivered straight to you when it's released. In fact, I'll leave you with a little teaser. So, on that note, thanks for listening. Cheers. Hi, Dada. And there were people writing letters to the editor, both pro and against, and there were feature articles. Fraser wrote a three-part one that was um, you know, a really long article. Um, and so there, were, there, was, there was lots of debate in the newspapers. There was significant opposition. As I said, the Labour Party and the Liberal Party were both opposed. Um, there were the Catholic Church, a number of um, newspapers that were opposed as well, and um, the, uh, as well as some academics.